Hey, this is future world champion Nathan Wilkinson, and you're listening to The Kings of the Ring. You're listening to The Kings of the Ring Podcast Network. Welcome to The Kings of the Ring, a fictionalized and romanticized retelling of the 1980s pro wrestling days. Written and produced like an ensemble cast soap opera. I want to give a quick shout out to some of our longtime patrons who joined during season one, Michael Sluck and Glenn Hannon, and a big welcome to some of the new patrons in season two, Zill, John Snyder, and Randy Pops Larzelaire. This is a primarily listener supported show, so thanks so much to everybody. And a special welcome to our new patrons from the UK who are starting to roll in. King to the Ring is intended for mature audiences. Today's episode would be rated M.A. for graphic descriptions of bodily functions, profanity, 80s cigarette smoking, drinking while driving, descriptions of nudity, and outdated wrestling racial characterizations. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kings of the Ring. Charlie Gotch is in the AMW offices in Milwaukee. Glasses on the end of his nose as he goes over figures of the month's events when son Nellie Gotch walks in. Pop, we got a box from Federal Express. Charlie looks up with a smile. Oh, goody. I always enjoy getting packages from Federal Express. You know why? Because you never know what you're gonna get. Yep. Charlie gleefully tears into the box like a child on Christmas morn. How's Buddy doing? He's back at home, right? He's coming by the house later. We'll find out what's happening. We need him in the ring. Our houses are suffering without a champion. Charlie's old fingers fumble around, failing to get a proper grip on the lid of the box. You're gonna put the belt back on Buddy, right? Here, give me that, Pop. Yes, try to keep as much continuity as possible. Things are precarious enough with these fans and this stupid ABC show. Strange times. It's from Tokyo. Nellie rips the box open, revealing a glimpse of steel and leather. Heh, <laughs> looks like that Goliath knows who the master still is and sent the belt back as he was told. Nellie pulls the belt out slowly. Oh, shit. Ugh. This thing's bent in half, and there's some sauce on it, too. I wonder if it's that steak sauce from Ribera. I love that shit. Nellie lifts the belt to his mouth and sticks his tongue out and takes a big slobbery lick of the crimson stains splattered on the engraved metal plate. Yuck, it's really salty. Too salty for steak sauce. There's a little black hair on it, too. Jesus Christ, Nettie, that's blood. <laughs> Nellie pulls the entire belt out of the box. You got this smell. Oh, for fuck's sake. He smeared dog shit all over it like he was frosting a cake. Nellie wipes his hand on the box. Dog shit? Zen, I never seen anyone with a dog in Japan. Kings of the Ring, Episode 4 Mr. Miyagi. At the Hero Arena in Dayton, Ohio. The trucks and rigs are parked outside, while thousands of fans file in the arena for a TV taping for the Empire Wrestling Federation soon underway. What is house tonight? This is our first show here. The numbers were down in our Ohio-Indiana swing from last month. 
I don't know if that's because of ABC or, or because it was our debut or drop is normal. We're hurting at the gate. Poor old Crusher's hurting in the back pocket. What do you mean? Crusher's being sued by that reporter for two million bucks. Where'd you hear that? The usual. Telegram, telephone, telewrestler. No, that son of a bitch, a reporter. He hurt our business and hurt our living legend. Julian smirks. Hmm, who says there's no karma in this world? Julian walks around the locker room and spots Hercules Harris, pulling out his gear from his metal suitcase. Hercules Harris. Harris turns and looks up at the owner of the Empire and sits up at attention. See, I remembered your name this time. You sure did, boss. I've been looking for you because I finally have you figured out. Now, while we all see the humor in a black guy calling himself Hercules, it wasn't supposed to be funny. It's because I'm strong as Hercules. <laughs> Good one. But it's still not a proper gimmick. Julian drops a book under Herc's open suitcase. Uh, what a Zulu shake and bake Shizuli. Shaka Zulu. The African native warrior. Look at him. That gigantic feather headpiece. The zebra skin shield and spear. The bone through his nose. You're a bit fatter than the guy on the book cover. But that's how we'll bring you to TV this week. But they ought to know me as Hercules Harris. Who does? I wrestled for a lot of years all over the country with the Alliance. Uh, I haven't wrestled for your daddy in New York. But no one would be able to pick you up out of a police lineup. Okay. Listen, Empire Wrestling Federation is different. So you need a gimmick so the good people in the suburbs can tell you apart from Leroy Brown. He looks down sorrowful. Don't be so sad about changing your name. It wasn't much of a name to lose anyway. Look at the bright side. You won't have to do promos anymore. Maybe just mumble a little bit, speak African now and again. I mean, you already look like an authentic African, you're so dark. Hey, uh, maybe work on a tribal rain dance or something. Yeah, do that. It'd be so exotic. Like you stepped out of the pages of National Geographic. Excuse me, Herc, if I could speak with boss man for a minute. Hercules Harris doesn't respond, he just grabs his wrestling boots. Julian turns around and they walk through the room. Julian? I have some big news. I, I've been listening to you uh, all this time about us becoming bigger stars, which makes Empire bigger. Good. You know, I, I noticed what Thor did, uh, grabbing that brass ring, getting himself on, on that Rambo movie. Get to it, Jerry. I'm a busy man. Well, I went and did that myself, sir. I just secured a deal with Hasbro, a company that does Transformers and G.I. Joe. What? Get this. They want to make a whole cartoon show with me as the star. An entire toy line based around corporate punishment. Can you believe it? I'm so excited. Julian stops and turns to the corporal. Do you realize the deals that I put on and negotiate? You went behind my back and pulled this burn? Uh, no sir, that's not what it was at all. I was just taking the bull by the horns like you told me. When us. I brought you here, when I plucked you from obscurity, from elementary school gyms in the sticks of the south. I said I had plans for you. Did you even see that article I had them write on you in EWF magazine? Of course I did. I, I must have cleared out the whole newsstand bottom up for my Yet mom. you didn't trust me to handle you. You went into business for yourself. 
No, children, please. That's why I'm telling you right now. It's not. I'm I negotiating think. with Galoob, Mattel, and LJN for a mass toy deal. How do you think that looks when one of our biggest stars has an exclusive deal with Hasbro? Uh, I imagine not very good, sir. You're damn fucking right, not very good. You fucked me. You betrayed me. You drop this deal or you're fired. Yes, sir. Uh, I'll call Mr. Snyder at Hasbro first thing tomorrow. Jimmy Buck stands in the middle of the ring in WVBS Studios for Southeast Championship Wrestling, wearing gray sweatpants and matching sweatshirt with black knee pads and elbow pads. Fans are a little confused, but curious. And his opponent, on the way to the ring, she hails from Athens, Georgia, and weighed in at 105 pounds, Claire Bender. A small, meek-looking, red-haired woman in jeans and a purple top slowly makes her way to the ring. She looks around unsure and steps through the ropes, while Jimmy bounces around warming up, staring her down like a matador preparing for the fight of his life. Okay, fans, looks like uh, we have our answer here. Jimmy Buck is wrestling this woman, this Claire Bender. Okay. Oh, brother. Okay, Jimmy has taken her down, putting all his weight on this poor girl. Right. Oh, come on, is this necessary? What's going on here? Okay, thank God that's over. Okay, Jimmy Buck has done it. He has indeed made his wrestling debut. This nice woman, Claire, who is it? Oh, jeez. Jimmy Buck acting like he just won the World Series. Come on. Okay, okay, Jimmy Buck's coming over here. <sighs> I told you, Jay, I can do this because I'm wrestling women. You bring any of these bros into the ring, and I'll beat them all. Women are good to scrub potatoes and carrots and raisin babies. They can't do this. They don't have the brains to do it. Any of you skirts out there and TV land with the guts, sending your pictures to this station. Give me an address, Delvo. It's an open challenge to any woman. I will give a thousand of my whew, Hollywood bucks to any woman who can beat me. The Rock and Rollers, Bobby Lee Rivers and Davy Boy Givens are at Carowinds Amusement Park outside of Charlotte, blowing off some steam by riding a few roller coasters before the big show tonight at the Coliseum. I don't know how long I can keep this up. What? Working so stiff in these shows, getting potatoed every night. Bobby points at his black eye. Them girls ain't gonna be popping for us if we look like the elephant man. Chip, already working. No one recognizes us the whole time we're here. You heard about Crusher? No, what happened? ABC's suing him for that uh, gimmick he did on the news. Oh shit, really? Are you that attached to Crusher? Yeah, brother, I am. Crusher Crawcheck was, was once kind to me when he didn't need to. An older man in a Carowinds nylon jacket, flanked by security, approached the two. 
Excuse me, boys. You two are going to need to come with us. Bobby Lee and Davy Boy look at each other and start following them. What's going on? We're going to have to escort you off the property. What fuck we do? Can't just geek us out? Yeah, come on, brother. I, I just grabbed one extra hot dog. I was flirting with that girl behind the counter, you know, shaking it around like it was my dick. No, you don't understand, boys. They round the corner. We stopped letting people in at four. The word spread that you two were here. There's a mob of girls trying to smash through the gate. Security can't hold them any longer. We gotta sneak you out. Are you ribbing me? I gotta see this. Wait, stop. Bobby jogs around the building to the front gate. Gibbons follows. Their jaws drop as they see the mob of fans with homemade signs for the rock and rollers. Oh, shit, the biscuit. Well, slap my ass and call Miss Sally. What do you tell Jesse about this? But first, break, stop, Bobby. Hey, girls, come and get me. Corporal Punishment is the wheelman as usual. Hercules Harris is riding shotgun, while Marauder Number 3 and Leroy Brown are in the back seat, with Leroy's legs stretched out, as the four EWF wrestlers suck down cans of beer, riding down Highway 70 to Indianapolis. Good to see you riding with us, Harris. Where's Aloha? Tommy with Yoshi and Tamu. I had to take a break from those three. When they get to talking that uh, Hawaiian pigeon language, I can't understand a damn word. You mean not Yoshi's Hawaiian? I thought his only animal gimmick was a shoot. Yep. He ain't even I Japanese, neither. Tommy to told me his daddy from the Philippines, and he grew up in Honolulu. Marauder number three proposes to Leroy. You can put your leg on my lap. I don't mind. I bet you like that, you old pervert. <laughs> Stop sucking on my toes or some shit. <laughs> Suit yourself with the offers there. How bad is it? Last week I was working Big John, went to slam him and planted my leg weird and, and I think I, I did something to it. Oh shit. But it ain't as bad. You'll be sore for a few weeks and I'll be fine. Can't stop working now. You don't work, you don't eat. First lesson we learned this business. Ain't that the truth? You fellas heard Crusher Crowchick got sued when he hit that news guy? Five million shimonians. Damn, that ain't right. Crusher did the right thing slapping that boy. You must have worked a lot with Crusher, right, Leroy? You were some of the biggest highs of all time with Crusher. I was at one of them, back when I was a mark, sitting in the upper deck with uh, all the other poor folk. And I was surprised. Even up here, we knew all that you were doing down in the south. Could have given Dominic Dante a run for his money at the box office. Shit, Leroy outdrew everybody in the 70s. Tops in the business. Best believe it, brother. How come you never got a run with the belt? You're a big deal. I heard even white folk loved you. Damn, a black world champion? <laughs> what do you want next? Black president? Shit. <laughs> Back in 79, at my peak, uh, Bert and Nigel told me I, I drew more money as a challenger. If I won the belt, no one would care anymore. You know, some baby faces are like that, better playing the underdog. I don't know, maybe it's true. Leroy, you and I go back years. I'm sorry to say this, but that's bullshit. For a guy in your spot, for the houses you were drawing, you should have been given a title run. <laughs> Come on, man. You look at that list of world champions of the Alliance in history. 
ain't none of them look like me or Herc. Because to them, a black man's skin color is just a gimmick. It's just the way it is. Hercules looks out the window. I know Bert took things too far at times, how he talked to me. But I'm still grateful it gave me those opportunities on top. Which is worth more to me than ten pounds of gold. At the end of the day, no matter how over you are with the fans, if the promoter don't see you as a top guy, they're never gonna push you there. And I was a top guy. Corporal Punishment thinks hard on his words. Marauder, I know you're trying to comfort me, but if you don't quit squeezing my foot, I'm gonna stomp you right through the goddamn door. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh come on, boy. Man, come, come on, on, brother. King of Ring will be back after this message. Was that you, Grandpa? Years ago, honey. Did you have M&M's years ago? You sure did. Special times are meant to share, and M&M's chocolate candies are there. The milk chocolate melts in your mouth, not in your hand. Did you today? Not today. All the world loves M&M's. M&M's Chocolate Candies. The milk chocolate melts in your mouth, not in your hand. The Transformers, Ford and Beast behind. Autobots face their battles to destroy the evil forces of the Decepticons. The Transformers, Ford and Beast behind. Transformers, Robots in the We now return to King of Ring. Charlie Gotch stands in his den, looking out the gigantic windows with the spectacular views of the melting lake nestled in the forests of Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Buddy Melrose is led into the room by Mrs. Gotch. Buddy walking slower than normal, but walking. <laughs> Buddy Melrose, my dear friend. Charlie greets him with his arms out and cradles Buddy's head with his hands. Buddy slaps Charlie's hand affectionately. Come on, have a seat. Uh, what can I get you? Uh, Remy Martin? You got it. Charlie walks over to the shelf and pours Buddy a glass. Glad to see you up and at him, Buddy. Wasn't so sure I'd ever see you upright again. Thank you, Charlie. And I appreciate you and Nellie spending so much time at the hospital and checking in on Carol. What else can I do, buddy? Your family. Charlie holds up his Chivas Regal. Here's to us. We both survived heart attacks. Well, remember yours wasn't a heart attack and mine was a little more complicated. But, but yes, we are both still standing tall, hearts ticking away. That's right. Like that song I heard on the radio. I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how are things? How's business been? It's been the shits, Betty. Ain't gonna lie. Julian's popping up in more of our towns. Gresha Krawcheck's being sued by that fucking reporter. And everyone around the country is seeing that godforsaken show exposing the business. And it's killing us at the box office. Our houses are down across the board. We really need you back out there. The fans need you back out there. Charlie, it's not gonna happen. 
If you need more time, uh, let's at least get your face on TV or maybe work some shorter schmaz matches. Uh, they won't push you too hard. Uh, but we need you back on top. Charlie, I'm done. What do you mean? Done with what? I almost died out there. So what? You're breathing now. What's the problem? I don't want to die in the wrestling ring. I'm almost 50. While I got plenty of years left on this planet, they're not going to be in the squared circle. Charlie sits at his desk, staring off into space. Buddy paces around with drink in his hand. I'm here to tell you, I'm hanging up my boots. That was my wake-up call. My body can't do this anymore. If it ain't Goliath, it's, it's some other monster or some young musclehead like Thor throwing me around. I can't hang with them anymore. I'm gonna have to be an agent full time. Charlie, still not moving, but he gives him a moment. You gotta say something, Charlie. Bullshit. Bullshit. It's all bullshit. Complete Jabberwocky. How can you do this to me? I just told you how our houses are down because we have no main event. And now you're saying you won't help me in my darkest hour? Charlie, that, that's not it at all. Julian Kane is damn near in every city we run. Because you pissed off Goliath in that ring, you got yourself in the hospital and sent him packing to Japan with my belt, which has since been destroyed. Did you know that? I thought you were coming here to apologize. Instead, you come here to stick the knife in me. You're all I got. And you just told me to fuck myself. Charlie, what are you doing? We've been together in AMW since 1965. We built this together. Don't throw this all away. I never want to see you again, Buddy Melrose. You betrayed me. You're dead to me. Buddy hangs his head sets the glass down on the maplewood desk of Charlie Gotch, and walks out. Corporal Punishment pulls into the parking lot at Toys R Us in the afternoon. He looks up at the large sign with Jeffrey the Giraffe and takes it all in. He walks around the store, marveling at the endless aisles of toys like a maze. Finally, he finds the action figure section. He sees the He-Man dolls, the Transformers in their boxes, Black Star Voltron Gobots, everything a kid could imagine, all here in one place. And then he spots a mother and child up ahead, looking at the massive racks of G.I. Joe vehicles and figures. The boy picks out what looks like his favorite as his eyes light up. They walk by as she wishes her son a happy birthday and the corporal's heart warms. In the parking lot, Jerry loads up a payphone with a dollar's worth of quarters, dials the number, and takes a deep breath. Julian? It's Jerry. Yes, Corporal Punishment. What is it? Julian, I want you to know I respect you so much. And I want to apologize again for not telling you in advance of my meeting with Hasbro. But I've decided that the opportunity Hasbro presented me is a once-in-a-lifetime deal. To be a, a real-life, living, breathing cartoon character come to life. 
I don't have children, but I hope to one day. And the thought of him playing with a corporal punishment doll is just overwhelming. I'm hoping you will reconsider and let me use this Hasbro opportunity to boost the Empire Wrestling Federation. This can be a win-win for everybody. Jerry, there are guys all over this country trying to get my number to get me to hire them because EWF is where the money is and where the future of wrestling is. Our locker room is already bursting at the seams. That being said, we also have talents that are irreplaceable, essential to the growth and development of this company. Those that represent what the EWF is to the American public. I have to admit, Jerry, sometimes I have to bluff. Jerry's tense face turns to a smile. I've thought long and hard about your situation and the dilemma you laid at my feet. Actually, it took me about five seconds. Jerry, you are not one of these people. You're fucking fired. Julian Kane makes it home to his Central Park West apartment in Manhattan. He sets his wife's Shaka Zulu book on the counter, takes off his cashmere overcoat and leather gloves, and pulls a mineral water out of the refrigerator. He steps out in the large living room of his swanky apartment, decorated by noted interior artist Otho, where his son Cameron Kane is reading a mad magazine while their new state-of-the-art TV is on in the background. A large crate-looking box with an extended section in front, which projects the basic colors onto the warped screen. The most modern television available in the country. Is that Mom's book? She was looking for that. Did you read it? No. What are you, nuts? I don't read books. I'm like America. I'll wait for the movie. What'd you do at work today? The usual. Fired some people, made a bunch of money, kicked ass. Why do you care what I did? You're 12. I'm 13 now. Oh, you're not. My birthday was in August, remember? Julian ignores his son, his attention captured by the TV. What's going on here? Michael Jackson has a new song. Turn it up. Hi, and this is Casey Kasa. We are right around the corner from the release of We Are the World. The project, led by Quincy Jones, Michael Jackson, and Lionel Richie, saw the biggest stars in music today. Unite for one cause, the battle against starvation in Africa. These generous celebrities donated their time to help out all of these starving Ethiopians. America's musical all-stars, Bruce Springsteen, Cindy you want me Lauper, to change it, Dad? Huey Lewis. No, keep it right so there, Cameron. Are featured I need to know everything to about this. Why? Are you going to buy the record or something? Because I've got just the thing to get Empire Wrestling Federation back into America's heart. Chris Stanley in a rented room in the back of someone's house in Stone Mountain, Georgia, staring at the wall, glossy-eyed, eating a can of corn and drinking a brown bottle of Dixie beer, sets it back in a small stack of Superman comic books. Chris slowly limps over, expecting one of the meat machine guys. Uncle Bert? Bert pushes his way in as he takes a drag off his Marlboro. We had a spot show in Aniston. Figured I'd burn rubber across the border and see if sending you here was a waste of time. 
You got any more of them Dixies? Uh, sure. Chris goes into the fridge and hands a bottle to Bert. As he futzes around for an opener, Bert pops the cap off with his lighter. You've been at this for weeks now. You gonna start working when you come back? No. Why not? I sent your pimply ass here to learn how to work. I can't do this. The other guys, it's coming natural to them. I didn't realize how hard this was. Well, shit. What good are you then, boy? Chris looks away as he thinks hard on that answer, and his eyes well up. Nothing. I'm sorry, Uncle. I know this is your last resort for me, but I can't do this shit. My body, I, I can't even bump right without knocking myself out. I can't run ropes without stopping before I come to the... Listen, you showed me the business, and I'm forever grateful. You fulfilled your obligation to Mom, but this is all a mistake. Why is that? Because I blotted every turn. From day one, every job you've given me, I've blown it. I got Bobby Rivers beat up and fired. Tama almost arrested. I drove Dan Sanders out of the territory. I screwed up TV truck lunch orders. But the only thing I can do now is to put up a ring in 20 minutes by myself. And you can be ring crew. <laughs> Listen, I don't think I'm better than anybody in the business. Far from it. But I'm not here to do ring crew. I wanted to be, to be helping you <laughs> build something, something that could compete with, with Julian Kane. I can't be that close and not be doing it. I'm just going to go back home to Pennsylvania. <laughs> you know what your problem is, boy? Bert snuffs out his cigarette on the floor. You came in the wrestling business thinking you know everything. Just because you read every issue of Pro Wrestling Digest or sat in the front row at the Spectrum on your birthday, you think that entitles you to the keys to the kingdom and that everything would be so goddamn easy. No, that's not true. Oh, really? No. Shut up with your damn crying and let's get down to brass tacks. Go on, do it. Ask me what you want to ask me. Fine. Why did you make me do this? You're just a, a bully. It's what you do to everyone. Setting me up to, to prove how worthless I am? That I don't belong? Well, you won, okay? You did it. You proved it. Go on, Chrissy. Go down the list and we'll see if we can break you. Okay? Why did you make me go through this, this wrestler training? I'm no fucking wrestler. And you knew it. You know what it's like to be in that ring now. To hit someone. To be hit. To take those bumps. Peyton Thomas couldn't take a bump to save his life. Julian Kane's never been in that ring and grappled a, a 275-pound meathead stiffing the shit out of him. The fuck does he know? Why did you make me go for, for the TV truck? You watched our shows on multiple screens, right beside the director and our cameraman. What's one thing you would change on how we shoot TV? A bunch of things. One. We hold our long shots too much. Pops is lazy. We need more close-ups to show their faces, show their emotion. Keep asking. Why did you make me babysit these wrestlers in bars? You tell me why. Why do I keep sending you? Because I'm responsible? Eh, wrong. What do you know now from being around them? 
that they're a bunch of fucking assholes. What else? That they can't control themselves and their babies. What did you learn about the business from them? I learned so much. Everything from them. And you learned how to talk to the boys. How to be around the boys. When you first talked to Dan Sanders, how did you talk? How did you sound? Like a fucking mark. Damn right. And how did you talk to him when he was cutting promos for Thanksgiving in Charlotte? Like a booker. Like a fucking booker. Why did you put me in ring crew? Other than punishment. To pay your fucking dues, boy. Our business is built on respect. And that's what I taught you. To truly respect this business. You said yourself, you can put that ring together in 20 minutes. How many of the boys in that locker room can do that? Or, or know how to direct a TV truck? And can coach a former champion of the World Wrestling Alliance on how to cut a promo? And knows how delicate these men are. That you know how to talk when you're telling a, a 300 pound monster he's gonna be staring at the lights. Chris reflects on everything. Go on, boy. Ask me the one question you've been afraid to ask since you rolled up here over a year ago. Do I belong in the wrestling business? Bert smiles and lights another cigarette. The wrestling business is in your blood because it's my blood. Michael don't care about anything but himself. Gabe don't care about anything but his family. But you care about the business. I'm counting on you. Chris looks up at his uncle. The day you were born, you belonged in the wrestling business. That ain't a question. The only question, Chris, is what are you gonna do with it? As Bert heads off, Chris goes back inside and picks up his beer off the stack of comic books. And he notices underneath on the back of the comic is a movie ad for the Karate Kid. Holy shit, this whole time? He Mr. Miyagi'd me. Hope you enjoyed the emotional roller coaster that was episode 24, Mr. Miyagi. This week's deleted scene was Chris Stanley with the meat machine at a strip club while they practice their new wrestling moves, among other shenanigans. If you're listening through Patreon, I hope you enjoyed that. If you did not hear that scene, then you're listening to the worldwide release of Kings of the Ring. And I invite you to become a patron since every episode of season three will not only be available to you two weeks before the rest of the world, but have at least one deleted scene and other scenes expanded. Speaking of which, I want to shout out to our top guys of Patreon. Sam Hollingsworth, Randy Larzelier, Jeremiah DeBolt, Russ Linderman, Zach Like, Yosemite Smith, John Snyder, Justin Taylor, Dom Rose, Matthew Rogers, Michael Sluck, John Johnston IV, Duncan Clark, and Nathan Wilkinson. That's right. The same Nathan Wilkinson, one of the young wrestlers in the meat machine from the Oshkosh bar, who has a very bright future in wrestling, indeed. Because, if you are a Patreon top guy or top girl, you get to be a genuine Kings of the Ring character. 
That means in the show plus the book. 